0: I have always loved the Olympic Games. The humanity displayed through international competition has always been compelling and inspiring to me. I felt proud when I joined the AAU in 1994. The Amateur Athletic Union was founded in 1888 to standardize and codify sports in the United States. The AAU subsequently has led our Olympic movement for nearly a century. Jerry West has stated time and again that his most valued award, and he has many, is his Olympic gold medal from the 1960 Rome Games. At just 22, West co-captained to the USA Olympic team was Cincinnati's Oscar Robertson, the only other amateur player in the country that was his equal. Other American athletes competing in Rome that year read like a list of American heroes. Decathlon gold medal winner Rafer Johnson, sprinter Wilma Rudolph, who won three gold medals, and Cassius Clay, an AAU national boxing champion that took the Olympic gold medal in the light heavyweight division. Clay would, of course, change his name to Muhammad Ali in 1964. Jerry found himself in the midst of the world's greatest athletes, but he may have never made the Olympic team if it were not for the support of a few people who took a keen interest in Jerry's success early in his collegiate days. After leading East Bank High School, to the West Virginia State Championship in 1956, Jerry had multiple scholarship offers, but he never gave much consideration to any other school than West Virginia University. The following academic year, Jerry would begin his collegiate career as a mountaineer and head coach Fresh Shouse basketball program in Morgantown. Three hours away from his isolated upbringing back in Shaylin, Jerry was away from home more than he'd ever been and feelings of homesickness quickly settled in. He took a room at 65 Beechers, a boarding house for West Virginia young athletes run by the 40-something pharmacist, Ann Denardi. But just as freshman year got underway, Jerry's feelings of insecurity led him to return home. Home wasn't much, but at least it was familiar. Jerry West might not have thought much about himself in that moment, but Coach Shouse had other plans. He had another underclassman find Jerry and get him back to Morgantown. As affable as Jerry was introverted, Willie Akers jumped in a car and headed to Shaylin where he found Jerry playing games on his front porch with his younger sister. Jerry and Willie became inseparable friends. It was the beginning of a lifelong friendship. Once back at 65, Beechhurst and empathy allowed Jerry to finally start feeling a sense of home in his heart in terms of both love and tough love Anne fulfilled a role of surrogate mother and Willie was like a brother. Before he knew it, Jerry was engaging in the pop culture of 1956. He and Willie were big fans of Marilyn Monroe's Academy Award nominated bus stop in which the protagonist, Beauregard Decker, likely reminded Jerry of himself, frightened at the idea of talking to girls. By sophomore year, coach Fred Schaus wanted Jerry to wear jersey number 33, but that was the number that Hot Rod Hunley had worn the year before, and Jerry didn't like Hunley's flashy game. Jerry was a player who based himself in fundamentals and hard work. So Jerry declined number 33. This marked a seminal moment for Jerry West. He took control of his career and he chose number 44 instead. That was the number that football great Jim Brown had worn at Syracuse. To say Jerry had a successful career in Morgantown would be an understatement. He was quite frankly the greatest player the university ever had. In his junior year, Jerry led the Mountaineers to the only tournament championship final appearance in school history. Losing by a single point to a Pete Newell coach Cal team, West was named the most outstanding player of that NCAA tournament, an accomplishment that's never been replicated. Pete Newell and the Cal Bears were the 1959 winners of the NCAA championship. But Coach Newell did not protest the selection of West as most outstanding player. Newell would go on to coach the 1960 USA basketball team that would compete in the Rome Olympic Games. So after Jerry's senior year during the Olympic trials and still unsure of his status, Jerry became reassured by Coach Newell that either both of them were going to Rome or they're both staying home. The great Oscar Robertson of Cincinnati, Adrian Smith of Kentucky and Jerry
1: West of West Virginia, the United States Olympic team.
0: Jerry regards his Olympic gold medal as the greatest athletic achievement of his life and Pete Newell as one of the great influences and mentors. i'm a venice california born los angeles-based sports fan one that has played coached announced and promoted sports my whole life my love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast thanks to the support of the amateur athletic union in east bay i'm excited to bring you sports stories with denny lennon we all know you as number 44 but i saw some pictures it looked like you had number 12 at east bank and also number 42 is that just you going up the ranks of the like
1: well and you know it's really weird uh uh you know numbers are i don't even remember numbers i think yeah. in the olympic games uh i don't know what uh, number three baby they only it's one through whatever okay yeah. it's not you can't have a number and uh, uh mm. but when i got to college they wanted me to wear 33 and uh a player who played there was kind of, in West Virginia, legendary figure, uh, Rod, Rod Hunley. Hot Rod, Hot Rod Hot Hunley. Rod Hunley. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they wanted to wear me uh, me to wear his number. I would not do it mm-hmm. uh, because I was not like him in any way, shape, or form. I didn't want to play like him. Uh, I watched
0: him turn the ball and, over. And
1: uh, so 44 was the number that I, I had, and it was my number throughout and, my career. And that became your thing. Now, you were as close
0: to Lexington or Columbus as you were to Morgantown, technically. Pretty Who, close. Did, did any of those, did Ohio State or Kentucky recruit you, or were or, or, or you just, West Virginia seemed like what you wanted to do well, because of where you grew up?
1: You know, honestly, I had so many recruiting offers, even from Ivy League schools. Wow. Wow. Um, uh, but um, I visited uh, only a couple places. Okay. Uh, University of Kansas, I Ooh. flew from Charleston, West Virginia. First time I've ever been in an airplane in my life. It was a a, tw- uh, a single engine plane. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I went there and met the coach of Kansas and also a big Kansas booster. And they had Wilt Chamberlain there. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so we had a long talk, and I went oh, back, wow. and uh, then I went to visit University of um, uh, University of Maryland. Okay. Uh, and I only did it because my one of the guys who was my lifelong friend still still is today, Willie Acres. Um, yeah. Uh, he, for some reason he wanted to go, and we went over there. Road trip. Uh, had a bunch of real big guys, and this was really kind of weird. And at that point in time, you know, this wasn't like staying at the Four Seasons no. or any <laughs> yeah. of these Upper Crust hotels. And we stayed in the arena where they played the game. Just like in a cot or something? At 2 o'clock in the morning, magically, a basketball appeared. Uh, <laughs> and the first day we were there, all they did was pay a, a lot of attention to these other guys, okay? And, you know, here's this quiet kid from West Virginia there. <laughs> and after that, after that, the next day, I don't think they talked to any of the other guys. They were talking solely <laughs> they were to, me. Talking to you. Oh, you got to go here. You got to go there. You got to go there. <laughs> and so, obviously, somebody had been watching. Mm. Um, but um, and yeah. I had a lot of offers. Kentucky. Uh, I just okay. didn't want to go anywhere except West Virginia University. Uh, yeah. I just felt it was home, and um, you know, it's uh, where I belong.
0: Maryland that's why I went there. Maryland would have confused me. I never knew what a terrapin was. So I would
1: have said I Well, you know, you're loose. not from back east. Yeah, I'm not from so back east. If you go, you can find them in the woods. <laughs> <That's> witches, <laughs> you don't know about somewhere. things like that. <laughs> I don't, know. no, no. Um, it's
0: interesting. Um, you, so I, I guess you, you're recruited by these other schools, but then you certainly had your opportunity to travel a little bit around at that time. I, I found the uh, story of Anne Denardi heartwarming because we all need people who take us in and guide us at some point in our life and it seemed like she was a really important person in your life
1: she was huge she was my um, secondary mother yeah uh, she called me every name little Italian lady this tall this big around <laughs> and her sister looked identical to her and they lived together they were all basically never got married and uh, they cared. For me, like, I was her own. And I've never been called so many uh, horrible names in my life uh, (laughs) by Anne in particular. But when I went there, when I went there, um, she probably saved me from leaving school. Yeah. I didn't want to be there. I was, you know, homesick for a a town of nothing. Uh, I, I didn't feel like I belonged. I had no ability to communicate with people mm-hmm. i had no social skills uh i was so shy if i go into a class uh, i was even shy going into class and a lot of people would say oh that's not true it's not true well that was me yeah and um but she convinced me that uh, i should stay and then there was one other incident when i was there that uh the, the coach then who's now deceased fred shouse who was my coach here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He called me into the office one day, and we had an undefeated uh, team as a when I was a junior. And mm-hmm. He couldn't play as a freshman then. And we had an undefeated freshman team too. And he called me in his office, and probably the lowest feeling of my life mm-hmm. uh, was after this conversation. He said to me, he said, you know, he said, we're gonna make a change in the starting line. Now, we're undefeated. And he said, and I, I just looked at him, and I said, why? He said, well, we need more rebounding. And I said, well, I'm a leading rebounder in the team. Right. We had a we had a 6'10", 6'11", guy by the name of Lloyd Share, who's now deceased, uh, who was an All-American candidate, and um, I had more rebounds than him, and then he was well we need more scoring and I said well I said I'm also the leading scorer on the team said, this is <laughs> <Yes>. a conversation <laughs> and then he started talking about defensive play and that was that was my skill yeah. that that was there from the time I was a freshman to, to throughout my whole career and most people really just talked about the scoring part no. of it. and I said well Fred I said you know I guard everyone's best score right. regardless of what size they are <laughs> And so called, I left there. I left there, and I went back to this little little place, sixty-five Beechhurst Avenue, which is yeah. now Jerry West Boulevard in Morgantown, <laughs> West Virginia. And wow. si- and this little house was not there. And there was always athletes, particularly basketball players, who yep. stayed there. It was like four little bedrooms there. Okay. <clears throat> and I told her, <clears throat> I said, "Ad, I'm going to quit school." I said, "I'm going hmm. home." And I told her, uh, I said, "I'm going." And uh, we had a long talk, and it was one of those talks that uh, that only someone like her could have with me, because I was just so hurt that he didn't even know who I was. Yeah. Period. He did not know who I was. Yeah, he didn't know how to get um, to you. And it was probably the most awkward thing in my life. And when <laughs> I left there, when I left that meeting. I said, I can't play for this man ever again. I can't do it. And um, uh, some way, somehow, I went back, and we had the number one team in the country that year. And uh, I um, uh, I learned a huge lesson that day, okay? Yeah. Uh, about believing in yourself mm-hmm. uh, when when no one else believed in you. And I didn't believe he believed in me, and he was the one who was begging me to come to school there. Yeah. And I said to my, I said to myself, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. But I stayed and endured a lot. Uh, never missed a game in college. Uh, a lot of huge disappointments, uh, very much as my pro- professional career. But that was a uh, telling moment uh, for Ann Denardi in my life, and she was like. Um she loved me to death um uh, always felt that I knew what love was when when she was around when i didn't know what love was before.
0: I thought it was um touching that you were able to you know speak her name uh in the White House when you got the Medal of freedom and she got uh there's many people I bet like her that help young people and guide them and do it selflessly and it was nice that she got got that moment so the you know, one of the things I like, too, is you mentioned is Roy Williams was your East Banks coach, and that you, you kind of always heard uh, his name in, in your head as far as defense and toughness. Is, am I accurate on the name? Is that your well, high school coach? he was, coach? Our, you know,
1: he was our, uh, my high school coach, okay? He was, yeah. Uh, he's also the football coach. And um, he, uh, he stressed defense. He really did. And uh, probably had something to do with him coaching football, football because yeah. I think everyone who coaches football teams, That's they want a eight, foundation where mm-hmm. teams. They don't have to score outscore everyone some night. Mm-hmm. And in basketball, you know, people see these marvelous players make shot after shot after shot. They don't do that every night. And so you need a foundation, and the foundation to keep you in games. Uh, when maybe you're not know, shooting well for three quarters, and all of a sudden, the last quarter, you're still close. To you get it gone, you win the game. Um, <laughs> You can't outscore teams every night. You have to beat them other ways. And you could, I think the key to it is to be an offensive team, a defensive team, a physical game, an offensive game. There's four or five elements that can keep you competitive if you have the right kind of players. If you don't, you're going to lose those games because people lose confidence very fast, and particularly when when they don't win a lot. Winning breeds confidence.
0: Was the, um, was the Final Four in 1959 the first time you met Pete Newell? Say again now? The, the Final Four in uh, 1959. Was it the first time you met Pete
1: Newell? I really didn't even meet him then. I so didn't, didn't meet get... him until we uh, had uh, uh, trials for the Olympic uh, okay. uh, Games in 1960. And uh, he was uh, he came to be someone that maybe I admired most yeah. as a coach and as a human being. This was an incredible, wonderful man. He was never deceptive, mm. um, You know, never told you anything you wanted to hear. He was honest. Mm-hmm. And trust me, that's rare, uh, and particularly in the NBA. There's so many people yeah. that are deceptive. Uh, I understand why it happens. Yeah. Uh, but it's not fun when you're dealing with someone who is not very sure of himself at all. Um, and uh, he's someone I came to love and admire in a, a, during his years that I knew him. So I know you, you,
0: you had, 60 was the Olympics, but 59 you went to the Pan Am Games, and that was in um, Chicago, I think, and I was curious about the tryouts or the tryout procedure. It sounded like there was a round robin, there's AAU teams, armed service teams, no, something that like was, that?
1: No, that was not at all. That was a selected team. Okay? Oh, it was a selected team from the, branches? the Olympics. Were a different story. They had a lot of amateur basketball, and they had always won this tournament, okay, the amateur people. And people would say, well, how can amateurs beat the best uh, college players? Well, most of these amateurs work for people, Mm -hmm. these big companies, and they were all American players, but they went to school not to play professional basketball. At that point in time, you made no money playing professional basketball, so these guys ended up having a career. <clears throat> and as I mentioned, um, the only time a amateur team had ever won that tournament was in 1960, and we won every game handily. Um, oh, wow! Okay, um, and he had whoever won, they had to select seven people off of that team, that's what it was. Okay, and um, so that was that that was the way the olympics worked then um it wasn't like just getting invited and you know ahead of time they're going to yeah. select what 13 or 14 professionals and one and, okay. and one amateur who shouldn't shouldn't be on the team in the first place i love the uh the story of the
0: 60 games to me you know just looking back I, I love the olympic games and that seemed like the last time before you know drugs became an issue with any of the countries it seemed like It was a truly amateur experience for for most of the athletes, and also there seemed to be this um, spirit about those games in Rome. And and I take it you feel the same way because I know you're you're proud of your involvement in those games, and and you've you've mentioned that your proudest moment was winning that gold medal.
1: Well, it was the proudest moment for me, and I I think the biggest thing that made it for me is that there was so much going on in the world then, okay? There was the Cold War, the threat of nuclear war, the um, uh, racism, and this was a bunch of uh, people from all walks of life who happened to get together and had one. It of, one of the greatest teams ever at that yeah. point in time. <laughs> what, a, what a team! Um, and to walk through these people who were professionals uh, was pretty amazing experience, and I never forget. Uh, <sighs> the speech that Pete Newell gave before the last game. Everything is cumulative points. In the Olympics, okay? yeah. <laughs> And we were going to play the Brazilian team. Everyone thought it was going to be USA against Russia. That didn't work. We beat the Russians and the first probably the best game I played was against the Russians. Yeah. You, know, you just hated at that point in time, you hated them. But frankly, I probably hated every player I played against. I <laughs> yeah, like right. right. And it was just, just something a I, I, I liked these people away from the game, and I'm talking about in the NBA, but on the court, I didn't like them. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it was my, I guess, self motivation. Mm-hmm. But uh, during that period of time, uh, as I say, there was just so much going on. But Pete's very stirring uh, pre-game talk against Brazil. He says, guys, we can't lose this game by 71 points, okay? 71 points. <laughs> and I think we ended up winning about 55 or yeah, something exactly. like that. But this was truly a great team. Uh, we didn't play half the half <laughs> yeah. the game. I bet I didn't play 20 minutes of the game, 20, 22, 24 minutes. I, I get, the Russians, I played a little bit more. Yeah. But uh, uh, most of our uh, exceptional players, and there were three or four, there that i think stood above the rest (coughs) most of those people hardly ever played uh we all played a little bit not very much Mm. um did you get a chance to
0: see some of the other sports while you were there i mean i know like wilma rudolph rayford johnson
1: cassius clans were i saw them all oh you did muhammad ali was there wow uh, you know he was this character you could hear him walking around the olympic village um (laughs) Uh, he had these, he had these. It, like, it was like dogs traveling uh, with their master, and he was throwing him, uh, you know, dog bones and stuff. He was yeah, yeah. he was amazing for a young kid, and yeah. obviously his career and uh, speaks for itself. But yeah. I saw all of them. I saw all the Americans over there who, you know, every some of these track and field people. You know, you hear only about the Americans. You didn't, at that point in time, you didn't have all the information you have about <clears throat> sports throughout the world. And to see some of these names that were in Kleeblades, okay, uh, lose, it was amazing. Um, and, uh, I'll never forget John Thomas, who was our high jumper. High jumper, yeah. A high, everyone was talking about him. And all you heard was the Russians had three guys <laughs> that could jump over seven feet. Three guys. Well, he came in third. Ooh. He came in third. And um, let's see, who was the sprinter for us? Uh, uh, oh, well. Oh, well, I, I, I remember a guy from Germany won it. His name was Armand Hari. Okay, yeah. Armand Hari. Now, why I can remember that I don't know. I was there, you, and I was like stunned that that somebody's moving right, like that. That that they lost. Stunned, yeah. and everyone said that he. That everyone said he cheated and you know started a race too soon. They proved they proved that his fast twitch muscles were as fast or faster than anyone in the world, and he won yeah. the hundred meter dash. <laughs> Uh, I do remember another funny story going over there. And at that point in time, they had these old, uh, the new jets that were flying. We didn't get one of those. We were one of those (laughs) twin (laughs) four-engine, I think they call it strato liners or something (laughs) like that. And I was sitting in the back of the plane, and I weighed 172 pounds. And I was right between, in the middle seat between... Two American shot putters. These guys all weighed about so they kept up. They all weigh about oh, 280 and I'm here like this. Thank God. Uh, I never slept 1 minute going over there. Uh, they I was you. afraid I was afraid they were going to crush me in the middle.
0: <laughs> Thanks for joining us for a very Jerry Christmas, part 3 of our four-part series with basketball legend Jerry West drops on December 31st. Merry Christmas everyone.
2: Thanks for watching and listening. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is produced by Christine Jinbo and me, Marley Rice. Directed by Chris M. Alport with studio support from Alpha Command Unit and shot by bad boy Bobby McCall.
3: Original music courtesy of Lennon Music Production and original images courtesy of Sienna Lennon Photography. A big thank you to all of our contributors. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc. You can find us on audio platforms everywhere and the High School Narrative iOS app. You can also view Denny's shows on Roku, Apple TV, and Fire TV.
2: Make sure to press that subscribe button, give us a review, leave a comment. It will really help us grow the show.
3: Hey, you know what else would help us grow the show? Hustle on over to patreon.com slash DennyLennon to get some never-before-seen videos, pictures, interviews, and more.
2: We are all over social media and constantly sending out clips on Facebook, conducting fun polls on Twitter, going live on Instagram, and more.
3: To find all our social media links, hustle on over to SportsStoriesDL.com.
2: SSDL proudly supports the My Stuffed Bags Foundation and the Heroes Movement.
3: The My Stuffed Bags Foundation, with the help of thousands of people across the country, provides children in unfortunate situations with new belongings and new hope through its innovative My Stuffed Bags program. Heroes Movement is a nonprofit that bridges the gap from therapy to Getting Strong Again through small group workouts for any veteran of the United States Armed Forces for free. Links to how you can support and help these foundations can be found on our website. We want to give a big thank you to our partners of the show.
2: So, as Coach Lennon would say, any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email me, Marley, at info at sportsstoriespodcast.com.
3: Sports Stories thanks all of our followers and listeners. And we will will see see you you next next time. time. Hey, thanks, Marley. Thanks, Chris. If I could just say a couple of things
0: here. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Have you seen it? Have you heard about it? Well, I'm here to tell you. Greatest show ever. Now, take it from me. I worked in circus all my life. I am one of the main attractions. So go watch Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. And don't forget to let them know, Leo the Leopard sent you. (laughs) Can I get a cocktail
2: please now? Kick it out, look.